Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome back to the Talks with Thompson podcast. I am excited to talk to today's guest. He is another RJ. Uh, this is RJ Hubert. Uh, he is the managing principal at HBT Digital Consulting uh, here in Pittsburgh. Thanks for being here, man. You know what? I only want to talk to people named RJ going forward. I, I can tell you right now that, that folks with the, the name RJ make for the best conversational lines. Listen, I don't, I'm not one to toot someone's horn, but you have a great podcast voice. What I'm hearing is just, you know, music to my ears. Wow. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> I've got the, I've got the face for radio situation. Um, RJ, what does, this is, so any folks, if you're listening, anytime you meet someone whose nickname essentially is, is our initials, you always have to ask what the RJ stands for. So RJ, what does the RJ stand for? This is going to be completely ridiculous to your listeners because it's the exact same as yours, Robert John. Oh my God. Spelled the exact same way, the John, uh, the Robert. So they are family names. Robert was my, you know, my dad's name and the John was my mom's, my grandfather's first name. So um, wow. they, they were family names. Well, yeah, so so are mine. My father's a Robert, my grandfather, my father before him. Uh, he's a Robert. Uh, I can trace my, my lineage back to like early 1800s. And the first Thompson to come over to America from Ireland was a Robert. Oh. So can't escape the name. But uh, I've never actually met another Robert John. You know, I, I think I've talked to a few, but never like never in this kind of uh, relationship. So it, we're obligated to be best friends now. <laughs> hey, let's do it. We're wearing pit shirts uh, for everyone that <laughs> can right. uh, see visually. Right. Panthers. <laughs> or, you know, I think we might have a really solid podcast gimmick here. Um, if you remember uh, way back in the day when Steve Krell and... Uh, um, well, do you remember the, uh, on Comedy Central on the Daily Show, they would do, uh, uh, Steve Carell would have his other, his show with uh, the other Steve um, Colbert, Stephen Colbert, and they would argue with each other? Uh, no. Oh, no, man. I, well, I just ruined your afternoon because you're going to jump on YouTube and take a look at those things. And they're really funny, but we could get, we could get like a really good sort of um, back and forth agree disagree situation here so, we don't have to talk marketing at all no <laughs> well we're talking we're talking productization and now i'm going to ask you to how how can we monetize it <laughs> oh we have to find our audience that's that's right that's right so uh well anyway we'll 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 carry that uh subject on to a, another point in time but uh thanks again for being here and taking the time i really appreciate it um I got, uh, I became aware of, of, of you and your work through the American Marketing Association, the Pittsburgh chapter, where you've been a board member for about two years, a little over two years now. That's right. I'm on the programmatic event side of things. And uh, my role is just to kind of support where necessary. You know, I did launch my own business. Um, it will be two years in May. And not, my majority of my focus has to be on that and growing that and getting clients and doing the client work. So I like being a part of the AMA and helping where I can, especially some of the sick events they do. Um, 
you know, I didn't have much of a hand in marketer of the year, but great event. Um, I've been part of the level up series where we did like an in-depth Google ad optimization kind of, I'll, I don't want to call it a course, but like a learning um, and some other really fun ones. So it's just a good part, a uh, good, you know, thing to be a part of. Uh, I, I recently became a part of the organization starting on the communications committee by way of public Sorry, uh, your 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 audio is kind of cutting in and out there. Oh. I can't hear you. No, I'm just messing <laughs> with you now. Uh, can you hear me okay? Yeah, it just it sounds muffled. It sounds like if someone put a pillow on your face. Oh, okay. Um, well, hopefully that uh, resolves itself. Yeah, that sounds better right there. I, I don't know. All right. Well, uh, anyway, it, uh, it came back, and now now oh, you're sounding good. Now you're sounding good. good. I got to work through my audio. I'm not an audio guy. You're just a guy with a cool name and a cool beard. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, so I, I got associated with uh, AMA through Mackenzie Ferrone, who I've spoken to on this podcast. And uh, I've really enjoyed my, my time, uh, you know, helping out the board on the communications committee and then joining the board uh, this summer as the VP of partnerships. Um, so I'm looking forward to working with you on the programming side, especially at, at Pitt. But um, I always think it's kind of funny how, like, when I was in school, um, I, I, I have a design background. So uh, I was a part of the AIGA. And um, when I was on the board, like, we had this, like, friendly rivalry with AMA. It's like, yeah, you know, we can, we like our marketers, we work with them, but, uh, you know, there was just something to, to, to separate uh, the two organizations. And I was on the AIGA board for two years. And now that I'm helping out the AMA, like the experiences are really, they're, they're far apart. Um, the AMA group seems really um, invested and progressive and always working towards you know, a big event or some programming that you had mentioned, uh, providing benefit nevertheless. Uh, through unique ways. So um, thanks for that. That was a really long way to get to a compliment. But uh, nevertheless, I want to talk about you. Um, and I want to know about uh, sort of your journey to your marketing career. And then we can get into some of the nitty gritty details. So where did it all begin? What was the spark? Well, RJ, listen, I was one, at one point in my life, I was a student. Um, it really began there and it really began in grad school. I was at University of South Florida studying strategic communication management, which is a fancy way of saying PR really, and kind of how you wordsmith things and, and campaigns and things like that. So um, I was into 5k races too. And I was like, I'm learning about marketing. I have a passion for 5k races for running. I wonder if I can start a 5k race. And it really bloomed from there. I was like, look, I'm learning the, 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 the textbook stuff, but can I execute in person? Can I build a brand? Can I communicate with my members and audience? Can I sell things? Will people buy what I'm putting out? And the answer was yes. Uh, over 10 years later, over 6,000 runners, uh, over 25 plus 5Ks, because we have not one brand, not two brands, three brands, the great Mother's Day race, the great Father's Day race, the great gay 5k. Um, my partner, Claire and I, uh, we met in grad school 
And it was a joint 50-50 thing. We're like, can we do this? And the answer is yes. And for your listeners, they can do it too. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I, I tell my students all the time, like, if you're not thinking about being an entrepreneur now in class while I'm lecturing, then you need to start thinking about that right now, immediately, um, because the skills that, that they're developing on the marketing side, the design side, they can act on those now and certainly later. Um, I, I love hearing the story about uh, your, your racing business, because one of the things that I found is that um, there aren't enough races, like especially if you're a dedicated uh, runner, you're always looking for opportunities to race. And in, in some cases, it doesn't even matter, like if it's honoring someone, it could be a charity 5k or whatever, like it's a race, like find it. You wouldn't believe in Tampa Bay, the race community, but also the sheer amount of races. And I'm not kidding when I'm saying on any given weekend prior to COVID, you could find at minimum like five different races because wow. it was insane over the course of, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of races just in Tampa Bay, St. Pete, Clearwater, and Tampa is just the sheer amount is insane. Whereas you might, you mentioned here in Pittsburgh, and I can only name maybe five, seven races, a lot are at North Park. I mean, obviously you have the, uh, the Pittsburgh half and full marathon, but you know, here you're limited, I think, because of you don't want to start closing down roads, really, because it gets super pricey. Right. And the the parks here, from what I can tell, the trails aren't, you know, super large to accommodate, you know, a bunch of runners safely. Um, and I don't know. I, I, I don't know about throwing a race here in Pittsburgh, but I knew that I knew the market down there in, in Tampa Bay. Sorry, you cut out there. Oh, and, and your business is still going strong? Like, you know. Well, yeah, actually. So uh, last year, uh, May, March hit, COVID hit, and our race was in May. So we had to, we postponed to 2021. And actually, we're postponing it again to 2022 because we did not flip on the live registration um, just because we didn't know about vaccinations and how safe and secure it would be for a May and June race. Now it's looking like, uh, according to Biden, the world's going to open May 1. Everyone's going to be vaccinated and, and partied. He said specifically July 4th, you'll be cooking hot dogs with your neighbors. So, um, you know, we don't have to go down that path. But uh, it's just, um, it's a fun business to be in. I knew my community. Um, also, positioning, which is another marketing term for you students out there. Um, I wanted to create a race um, that had a theme and I wanted racers to keep coming back 10 years ago. The thing was the color runs where they throw the dust up and you run and you get glitter and you dance and you have fun, but you don't do that race more than two times. You do it twice. You're done. You're like, I'm tired of smelling all this stuff and getting into my nostrils and in my eyeballs. But I was like, look, what if there was a mother's day race where you could do an annual family 5k tradition, which is our slogan and every year you run it with your mom, you feel good, you try to beat each other, you're improving your times, you're getting the pictures at the free photo booth, you're getting the medals and the shirts. Um, we provided a pretty cool experience and you know they came back year after year. That's fantastic. So at what point then did you decide to start your own digital marketing practice? Well, there's a 
you know, um, I, I want to mention when I was doing this 5k business, this was all on the side, um, AKA side hustle. If you know anything about that, um, I was always the corporate marketing guy. So right out of grad school, 10 years, specifically lead generation and very sales oriented organizations. So how do we get someone to pick up a phone, respond to a, a postcard, do a billboard, do Google ads with a call to action, call this number now to get X, Y, or Z. Um, we funnel those leads to the salespeople and the salespeople flip it um, for something else. So 10 years working in uh, for-profit education, which was interesting. Um, people that wanted like a short-term career training, like a nursing tech, phlebotomy, x-ray tech, somebody with nine months career training, boom, you get a job, you know, in the medical fields. Um, and then I went to a credit union. I did Medicare and Medicaid for a big healthcare provider and then found myself in Pittsburgh. My wife brought me from Tampa to Pittsburgh. Um, Good woman. She wanted to get her MBA at CMU, which she finished. Guys, our MBA. So go Taylor. Yeah, great job. Congrats. Uh, but yeah. MBA. <laughs> yeah, tough for me too. Uh, dealing with her stuff. <laughs> yeah. But um, long story short, I was in the corporate world, busting it for somebody else, earning somebody else was earning and eating the fruit of my labor. How dare they? <laughs> and I knew I could make a buck from the 5k races, right? I knew I could launch and attract the right person. And I had the corporate world experience. I had the, you know, launching my own brands. And then I was like, look, people are paying me on the side, even in the corporate world. I had two side hustles, the 5k races, but I was always doing PPC management for you right. people out there that search engine marketing AKA PPC pay per click, Google ads, Bing ads, know it, learn it, love it. Um, and I was doing that on the side. I was like, look, I'm building someone else's business. I could just start my own thing. I have paying clients now. Let's make it big. Awesome. That, that's glad. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. So, um, so you, you're, you're having a lot of success with your business and uh, you're taking on clients. Uh, you, you mentioned pay per click, search engine marketing. Uh, from a services perspective, what are all the things that you offer? Well, here's the thing. When I first launched my company in May 2019, I wanted to be everything to everybody. Oh, RJ, you need an email campaign? I got you. Hey, you need a website update? You need a website? I got you. Hey, you need, but it's very hard to be a professional and a pro in everything. Sure, I could I could do it and I could do it well, but I wanted to focus. I want to be the PPC guy and I want to be the social media. Or I'm sorry, social marketing, like social advertising. Yes. Um, so I'm I'm niching down. I'm niching down big time. I'm only doing search engine marketing and social media advertising right now. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, you know, I often so I've had a lot of students in the past. They end up starting their own practices. You know, they start out small, but they take on all the work uh, because they're they're essentially capturing seed money to, to sustain and grow their business, right? Um, so they're doing all different kinds of projects. And, and I always tell them like, okay, you know, if you got to do that to, to get your bank account going, like that's fine, so be it. I know the hustle there and, and the, the challenges nevertheless. But uh, at some point you're either going to consciously choose to specialize in something or you'll organically find that it's a specialization is just happening for you. 
Well, are you a, are you a big reader? Yes. There's an amazing book. Maybe you've read it. Maybe you've heard of it. It's called Built to Sell. Yes. Um, for the listeners out there, the, the one minute version is there's an ad agency owner. He specializes in graphic art, but he's doing custom billboards. He's doing website art. He's he's involved in everything. And he can't, as the business owner, pull himself out because it's custom work for all your clients. And he can't pull himself out. He's in the weeds. So he decides to specialize in only doing logos, but being the best logo maker ever, uh, he productizes it, the logo, and then he has a step-by-step how to sell it, a document, and how to implement. And he gives the, the, the document to the sales guy and the document to the artist on his team, and he eventually starts to remove himself, and now he's the business owner, and other people are taking care of the work. That's the model I am going after and I'm trying to do where I'm productizing my search engine marketing and productizing social media advertising. And I'm going to have a salesperson that can sell it. I'm going to have the person that can do the work and I'm going to build like that. Love it. Uh, I, I, I'm on my fourth LLC and and I should have taken that advice two LLCs ago. (laughs) (laughs) What are your uh, LLCs? So the first one was a design agency. Like we just did graphic design and and web design. We stayed out of, you know, uh, all of all manner of of digital marketing. Um, You know, we could do advertising concepts. We would just do the work, right? Just do the graphic work. Um, And then I eventually merged that into another company that I founded with two other people, a PR guy and a, uh, and a marketing uh, person, and that was called Shift Collaborative, and they're still around. I was a uh, creative director and co-owner for about a year before I decided to sell my end and, and move on, and uh, as a part of that, a hub-and-spoke consultancy I started called UpTo, UPTO. Um, I sold that to them as well, uh, and then it was a few years after I started there's a number of years later, actually, I started my fourth company. It's a B corporation called Plus Public. And primarily what we do is we build uh, branded communication platforms for municipalities. So we primarily work with government. Uh, developing logo systems for cities, uh, municipalities, boroughs, whatever, Um so brand identities, websites, building out communication strategies, uh, integrating all of their social media planning and everything. I love it. I love it. That's yeah. amazing. Uh, I love that you have the entrepreneurial spirit. But I love your target audience of governments and municipalities because they have a little of this. And for those that can't see what I'm doing, I'm rubbing my fingers together because they have large budgets. Yeah. So cheddar cheese, right? <laughs> you know, it's funny that they do. Yes. Uh, so they're, they're uh, a, fa- a financially healthy sort of uh, audience, but the problem is that they don't know how to spend their money. So for example, if I, if I meet a mayor and I say, Oh, Hey, you know, I I've heard of your community. I've heard you're having some, you know, your businesses are leaving economic development is in a rut would love to be able to help you. He's like, I would love to have that help, but you're going to have to wait an entire calendar year until we get a new budget approved by the city council. Yeah. And I'm sure there's like no one 
you know, decision maker. It's got to go to 10 people. And the, the communication aspect alone has to be pretty difficult to navigate. The sales funnel is just so long. Yeah, yeah. It's so long. But well, I'm finding that same same for my business too. My my it takes a while from a lead that you know to close some business, even for me. Not a year, but yeah, I mean uh well, so like coming back to my business real quick. So it takes a long time to acquire the client, and then it takes even longer to do the job. So I'm working with uh Hermitage, Pennsylvania right now. And we started working with them a year ago, this past January. And the public process. So our point of view is that we're designing all of these assets uh, for their, their residents, their internal stakeholders, basically. And um, the best way to represent a community is to have its stakeholders have a voice in the creation of the work. So we have this really long public process where we're showing these new logos, getting feedback, revising, and then ultimately it has to go, in this case, it has to go to three or four different governmental bodies to get approved. But the, 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 the journey is so arduous that 20 or 30 years from now, that thing that I made is still going to be in use, which is pretty cool. Yeah, no, it's cool. I mean, I mean, graphic artists, you're a designer, I think, by trade. And it's like you can you can see it everywhere. I love it. Yeah. So um, what what makes for an exciting client for you? Somebody that has money for advertising, because <laughs> I tell you, a lot of businesses, they want traffic and they want they want customers but they don't want to spend money to acquire them, which, you know, you're not going to grow if you're not advertising. Um, there's a reason Coca-Cola, they're still advertising, right? Um, you know, I do represent some law firms. Uh, I heard there's one firm, I'm not going to, I won't say where, they spend $65,000 a month on Google ads alone. Mm-hmm. That's over a half a million dollars just on Google ads and just on search ads, no display, no YouTube, because they're hyper focused and hyper aware of where they're, where they're trying to spend their money. So um, I don't remember the question, but uh, well, somebody yeah, that yeah. wants to, that wants to acquire new customers. <laughs> yeah, no, like those are, those are exciting clients when they, they come to the table, they're ambitious, they've got the money to support their activity and they just say, go for broke, right? And, and do what you can and, and bring, the, bring in those people. Law firms are great for that. I've had some, some law firm clients um, and on the web side. So while they were doing all the SEM, PPC, so even social media advertising, that website had to be really solid for them mm-hmm. uh, to, to convert, uh, you know, prospective clients into actual clients. So yeah, law firms uh, are, are great to work with from the, the financial perspective. And, and usually I've found that from a design perspective, they are, um, they, I might regret saying this, but like they aren't as picky. Like it's very, it, it's more of a methodical operation when designing a, a, a law firm website. 
Um, they know what the trends are. Generally, they're very well informed. They know what the trends are in the industry, who's doing what, how, and when. Um, so it, their decision-making isn't binary, but it's very direct and specific. Um, and it takes a lot of the, the creative out of uh, creative opportunity out of the equation, which I think for them is a good thing. Um, I get uh, I get a buzz when I build these lead gen campaigns on Google and set up the conversion tracking and then launch, you know, campaigns looking to get new new calls for them or new new form fills and then we start seeing the leads come in. Uh, that's a great feeling. That's a that's a high. I'm sure you get it when you launch something like the website, but, uh, you know, just seeing, seeing campaigns be successful because what I tell clients is like, not all campaigns are successful. We are going to have failures. Um, what I think is going to work in my mind, it may not work for them. Uh, one story I love to tell, and you probably have this from a design element, but uh, uh, when I was working at the for-profit medical school, the uh, we did a, a direct mail campaign. One was this real glossy front and back, uh, beautiful photos of students, um, high gloss, just a beautiful postcard that you pick it up and you would be very impressed. You'd be like, wow, this is beautiful. The second postcard we tested, an A-B test, was a handwritten letter that looked like it came from their grandma. It said, hey, been trying to reach you, call me at this number. Well, when we launched the campaign, I was like, this beautiful postcard is gonna win out 100%. It's beautiful, but the one that drove the most conversions and had the most success for the company was a handwritten postcard um, that we dropped. So um, you never know what's going to work. Always got an A-B test, right? <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so one of the things that um, keeps coming up, and, and I try to um, tell my students to get ahead of this, is... I've found that uh, like training modules, training programs through Google uh, and Facebook, that they're, they're becoming bigger. There's more of them uh, and there's different variations of them. Obviously you can, if you want Google ads certification, you go straight to Google, um, but there are a number of different uh, opportunities for, for you to learn that. I'm, I'm curious what your recommendation would be for uh, marketing and design students? Because I'm telling both, like designers be aware of what the marketers are doing, marketers be aware of what the designers are doing, try to blend your skills as much as possible. Um, but um, what, 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 what would your recommendation be on an approach to learn how to do search engine marketing and well, everything that Google does? So the best way that I learned personally, I have to do, I have to actually do and build campaigns. So I would first, I would start watching YouTube videos on Google ads, what it is. And then I would make my way to the free trainings um, and look at the Google ad certifications, the videos, then you do the tests, you get certified. That's all free. It takes a lot of time. Um, but then I would just tell somebody, create a Google ad account and set it up and build out campaigns and keywords, learn about the keyword planner and just start building things out. Um, you may not have a website or a product that you wanna promote, that's fine, but you can still build something out as like a test. Um, 
And if you're still like super interested, see if you can, you know, intern with somebody or, you know, help out. Um, if you want, you can actually go to like Upwork and try to bid on some jobs and you can say, you know, I'm, I'm entry level, but if you price it right, maybe somebody will give you a chance. That's all you need is that, that foot in the door. Great advice. I, um, I, I, I think for me personally, it always comes down to a time issue. How long did it take to do the Google ads cert? Well, there's, there's one for search display video uh, and products. Um, it takes, so there's like training modules and it, it'll take a, a solid four to six hours. Wow. They're broken up. There's like six different modules of like, you know, 30 to 45 minutes each. Um, and then you do that. And then there's a practice exam and then a, one full exam. The, the exam is like 50, 50, no, it's like 80 questions. And you have 75 minutes to do it. Wow. Okay. And if you don't get an 80 or above, you fail it. Um, there's no public ridicule or shaming. No one knows. And you actually have to wait one more day and then you can take it again. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's cool. So uh, they, they build in, uh, you know, failure and, and you're able to. to They're hard exams. Honestly, the, the way they form the questions. I mean, you're a educator. You guys all mess with, with, with the students um i got the students back over here just for, the way you give the example in the class write it the same way on the test you don't have to switch it up and make it difficult clearly. yeah um so uh so it takes a lot of time to do the certs but obviously well worth it in the end um i tell yeah I was going to say and then you get to promote yourself on linkedin after you get that certification you say look I'm Google ad certified. Um, and that looks good to people. And now when you're interviewing, you drop that I'm Google ad certified and people are like, Ooh, LinkedIn loves, uh, diplomas and, and certificate graphics. I mean, those seem to get like the most traction, uh, anytime I see them. Um, but, uh, so like for the designers, I recommend, uh, interactiondesign.org, uh, uh, learning about UX and uh, design thinking and stuff like that. For the marketers, obviously I, I recommend Google um, and I've been enjoying the, the HubSpot certifications despite the fact that I don't use HubSpot. Uh, yeah, know. HubSpot's great. Um, just creative is so important. Uh, and that's part of the reason why I gravitate towards PPC because it's more analytical and it's, it's, you, you write some copy, but it's, it's more about the keywords and the targeting and the audience than designing a beautiful brochure or designing right. a beautiful website. Like that's, it's an art and it's hard. It's hard to do well. It, yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I agree. I agree. So um, moving forward, we're getting towards the, the end of our, our time together. Unfortunately, like we'll have to do this again. Um, the RJ but, uh, show. Yeah, yeah. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Well, we'll we'll do a second episode where we're just brainstorming on on names. Um I want to know uh a little bit more about um where you want to take your business into the future. Uh so you're you're two or so years in. Where what's the next sort of step at that that 5 year mark? 
or maybe it's starting a, a new business or what, what's that landscape look like for you? Because once you just, when you know, it's, you start one company, you're going to start another and another, it, it becomes a... <laughs> I don't know uh, what my wife would say about that one. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. But uh, so I have, I have revenue goals that I try to hit. Um, and I actually try to double revenue year over year over year. I just set my goals high. And um, I'm on pace to do that this year. So if I can, uh, the, the goal is, you know, have a sales guy or gal, uh, you know, um, have a PPC person in house, have an account manager, and I kind of want to lead maybe director of strategy and lead the company. Um, but I want people to execute the vision. So that's, that's the goal. That's probably the five-year plan. Have some employees um, to do the work and have myself lead the organization. That's awesome. Um, I don't want to be huge you know, five or 10 employees. Like I want to have a fun organization. I actually, um, I think we're coming to a time where we're really going to value those in-person experiences, even at work. Like, you know, I do, I, I work at home for myself, but I, when I was in corporate, you know, it sucks to be here, but you know, you had your friends. So I want to have a great organization and I think I can do that and have a good learning experience for everybody. Um, I want everyone to support each other and, family it's not gonna be a family let's be honest i hate when corporations it's a family no but you know we're gonna tolerate each other and like to be there like to solve problems and then we're gonna go have a beer after work and we're, we're gonna have fun we're gonna and hopefully everyone's gonna make a lot of money that's my goal that's, um that's awesome yeah i want everyone to be successful it's not because Ultimately, they're, you know, going to be delivering the work and keeping the client happy. They should be compensated well. I want to compensate my employees extremely well. That's the goal, too. Um, also, I just revised my, my mission and vision. So um, every month, I am going to partner with a new nonprofit and raise awareness and help with charitable drives for that nonprofit of the month. So I've done three this past year, January, February, March. And I'm going to look to continue that. But I want, as, as the company grows, I want to bring on nonprofit partners, raise money for them, and kind of give back in like a circular sort of way. Where I'm successful, more people in the community can be successful too. That's, the, that's a similar mentality to the, the structure of Plus Public. As a, as a benefit corporation, we basically are, are corporate ideals. We, we obligate ourselves to providing... Uh, uh, resources and sometimes money, sometimes it's in-kind service, whatever, but giving back to the community or nonprofits or in the case of my target audiences, municipalities with, with the work that we're doing. Um, and that is, that's optimal. What nonprofits have you uh, helped? Uh, so one was, I'm going to pull it up. <laughs> well, okay. So the reason I don't, I'm going to pronounce it wrong. Um, one of my interns, Abby, she um, is part of, uh, she's in the Jewish community and they have a Jewish nonprofit in Chicago. It's called, I'm going to say it wrong for all of my Jewish friends out there. I'm sorry. Mao Chittam is a nonprofit <laughs> in Chicago that we helped. Um, also one that was near and dear to my other intern, I have three interns, it's called Safe Journey, and it's in Union City. And basically, 
it helps protect people of domestic violence if they need help um, getting out of that situation. Um, and then one in Hazelwood is called Center of Life. It just helps um, children in the Hazelwood community with like education programs. So um, my other intern, the third intern actually volunteered there. So these three months I was trying to showcase and support causes that were near and dear to them. That's awesome that you're, you're letting them choose and, and they're having some influence on that, the shape and, and design of not just your, your company's you know, outreach, but um, the work that you're doing is connected to that. So yeah, it's, it's not all about me. Um, <laughs> I, I need, I'm trying to help make everyone feel good and supportive. So uh, we're, we're getting towards the end here and um, I want to know, what grounded practical advice would you have for, for uh, marketing and design students that you, you think they may not get in, in school? Try to launch something and try to make a buck doing something that you love. Um, you know, I, I was a fan of 5K races, so I tried to launch one. But, you know, try to sell a T-shirt. Try to sell something. Um, they don't really teach that in school, how to be a great salesperson, how to showcase attributes and benefits and, and really build a community is probably the biggest thing. So let me, let me, let me focus on that. Build a community around something that you want to, that you like or support. If you can build a community, you can sell something to that community. Absolutely. And so it, depending on what it is, I mean, it might sell itself. That's like an optimal uh, outcome. Sell a membership to that community. If, if it's such a cool thing, I don't know, maybe it's this exclusive on-campus membership group. I, I don't know, Skull and Bones or something <laughs> like that. Um, and I don't know, maybe you can bring that back, make it super exclusive, um, $2,000 a semester to join, but you have access to the, the elite you know, maybe, maybe it's uh, application-based, um, but I don't know. Just th have an idea, test it, launch it, talk to people about it. Um, one thing I did learn in school that was great was like, you know, surveying and talking to people and getting other feedback, uh, be it, you know, in a focus group or an actual survey where you run up with somebody and you have 10 questions. Hey, let me get your feedback for X, Y, Z. Um, that can be really great too if, if somebody wants um, to test an idea to see if it has some legs um, try to get a survey or focus group going buy your friends some pizza and beer if you're of age and uh, <clears throat> shop your idea pizza and beer goes a long way still sure. to this day yep yep it, it's the universal language uh, <laughs> well uh, RJ thanks thank you so much for for taking the time to talk to you talk to me today and talk to the students. Um, if they're interested in, in reaching out or learning more about you and your work, how can they find you? How can they connect? Uh, well, thank you for the uh, plug I can do here, um, RJ. So they can check out hbtdigital.com um, on social. It's just at hbtdigitalconsulting, one word. And uh, my personal is just RJ underscore hbt. That's kind of where the HBT comes. It's like a play on my last name, Hubert, HBT. But also um, this year, I'm, I'm trying to kind of brand it and it's helping businesses thrive. Awesome.
Well, I have no doubt that uh, you'll be able to do that and help them thrive well beyond their uh, expectation. Listen, you're doing a great job in the community. Um, you have a great Twitter presence. Um, what's, what's your Twitter so everyone can follow that? Oh, my Twitter. It's, it's simple. It's at RJT Pitt, P-I-T-T. And everyone should follow that. that. Yeah, uh, I appreciate that. I, um, I'm not in it for, the, uh, for the, the vanity metrics and the likes. I just like connecting with people. I'll tell you what, it's my, Twitter is still my favorite platform. Um, I'm absolutely sick to death of Facebook and I don't get a whole lot out of LinkedIn, but all of the connectivity that I get on Twitter has just, it's had a profound effect on, on my skills and outlook on how I do my work. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love Twitter too. Um, I love it more for, uh, like the breaking news or yeah. comments on like culture and like things I'm interested in. So, um, that's what I appreciate about it. And also our hilarious back and forth banter that has yet to transpire, but hopefully will after this, uh, this episode launches. Oh, I'd love it. Let's, let's keep it up. All right. Sounds good. Thanks. Man. Hey, thanks for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Well, hopefully we'll check in with you again someday soon. Happy to. See ya.